0: Uh, We begin this morning in a manner somewhat unorthodox, uh, reading an excerpted passage from Lewis Carroll's Through the Looking Glass. Listen carefully. When I use a word, Humpty Dumpty said, in a rather scornful tone, It means just what I choose it to mean, nothing more nor less. The question is, said Alice, whether you can make words mean different things. The question is, said Humpty Dumpty, which is to be master? That's all. We are living in a Humpty Dumpty world, an upside-down society where words seem to mean whatever folks who use them want them to mean at the moment. And the problem with that is when we lose our language, we've lost not just the argument, we've lost the tide of time, we've lost our very society, our very generation of people. If we have not a common understanding of language, we have no communication, no understanding whatsoever and yet like i say we live in a humpty dumpty world some words have been absolutely canceled other words uh, well they have been uh, they've been given a makeover so that you'd hardly recognize them for what they used to be and one word like that is the word uh, we're considering this morning it's it's the word Church. A word that seems to mean everything to everybody and different things to different people. The word church. As you ask the average man in the street, what do you think about church? And depending on what he thinks the word means, Depending on his perspective of what the word church even deals with, he'll give some kind of an answer of his own thinking, of his own opinion, his own judgment. But again, everybody has their own idea, their own definition, their own understanding of what this singular word church means. And I'll just have to be honest with you as we start this morning. I could care less what your definition is. And you should care less what my definition is. What we want to know is, what did Jesus mean? When he said to Simon Peter, based upon the bedrock confession Peter had made, he had said, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Upon that bedrock of truth, Jesus said, I will build my church. And so what did Jesus mean by saying that? We know that the scriptures teach of the close, inseparable relationship our Lord had to his church. He here describes it as his possession. I'll build my church. In other places, this church is referred to as as his body over which he serves and reigns as head, as his king over which he serves and reigns as king, as a family. We find that this church, described by Jesus, is that for which he gave himself, that for which he shed his blood. It meant and means a lot to him, whatever this word church means. And so lest anybody say, well, I'm not a big church person, don't care much about the word church at all. Just remember, you say no to the church, you've said no to Jesus Christ. After all, it's his body. He's the head. You can't say no to it without saying no to him. It's his kingdom. He's the king. You can't say no to it and say anything less than no to him. Jesus is the be-all, end-all of life as it is. Our life is in Christ. Christ is our life. But you excise the idea of church from Jesus... You've got nothing left because they are one and the same in the sense that you take the one, you must take the other. And so it does matter. It does matter what Jesus meant when he said, upon this rock, I will build my church. The simple question for this morning is this. What did he build? And we can go down some, some winding paths to nowhere in terms of the entomology and the, uh, the, the uh, unusual, somewhat odd way in which we find our English word church coming from the Greek word ecclesia, and the wondering of whether ecclesia meant for one culture what it meant to the next culture. Forget all of that. Interesting for more of a lecture than a sermon. The question is... What did Jesus mean when he said, I'll build my church? And I'll tell you something that we all agree with, something that most of us will mostly agree with, and something last that many of us might say, I don't know if I agree with that, but stay with me and we'll get through this together. Uh, We'll be supportive for one another all the way through this experience. First of all, let's start on common ground. Uh, The church that Jesus promised to build was not a physical structure, not some kind of a a building or a a physical house. And that's even with the fact that we know that he's described as both a carpenter's son and a carpenter, whether in Matthew 13 or Mark chapter 6, he has carpentry in his background, in his understanding, he is able to do something like that, to build a physical structure. But all of us realize uh, that's not what he's talking about. He's not putting out some kind of advertisement here saying, take my card, I'll build my church, hope you buy one from me. His church was never meant to be a, a physical structure. And even after all these years, sometimes we... Colloquially, we'll talk about going to church and leaving something back at the church, describing the building as the church. But we realize that the church he died for, the church Jesus gave himself for, the church he here promises to build, is not any kind of building. Uh, Those of us who came over from the 10th and Rockford congregation had a nice building there which we sold to someone else. And in selling that building, we sold no part of the church. Those of us who are here together with those who used to be 29th and now all together we are midtown, we are still just as much the church as we were with or without that building and with or without this building. Buildings come and buildings go. Buildings are built and buildings are burned. But when all is said and done, they're just buildings. Just like there's a difference in your house and your home, those who are in it. There's a difference in the church building and the church, those who are within it. And so I think we all agree, we don't need to belabor the point that Jesus did not promise to build a building, and the building is not the church. We need to be good stewards of it and use it properly, and yet it's not sacred. It's not a holy place. It's oftentimes used for a holy purpose, but as a structure, it's just that, a building. But then second... Uh, The church, by definition and by early practice, is not just and only, in fact, in some cases not at all, a social group or a political movement, both of which have their place in this world. Now, in the first case, there are aspects of this in the church. Uh, We're social beings. We are together as a church, and as such we are to be family. And a part of that family togetherness is the social aspect of talking with one another, spending time with one another, enjoying the company of one another, the socializing among us. That is a wonderful aspect of the church. It's not intrinsically what it is. There are other groups that do that same thing, in some cases much better. Because that's what they're all about. Uh, There are service clubs and service communities. Uh, There are uh, guilds and groups and clubs of hobbies and interests of all sorts and kinds. uh, Which all have their place if they're good and right and prudent. And whereas the church has aspects of some of this, that's not fundamentally what it's all about. If that were the case, the church Jesus built almost 2,000 years ago wouldn't still be in existence. There's more to it than just a social group involved. You might remember Jesus saying in John 18 when he's on trial for his life, in answer to one of Pilate's questions, my kingdom, he says, is not of this world. Well, that was true then. It's just as true today. The church, the kingdom... It's not of this world. It's not of this world. It is spiritual in nature. Jesus said the kingdom is within you. It's a spiritual institution, not a social club. And again, I have to say one more time, I'm not in any way backing off the understanding we need to spend time together. But there's more to the church than just our being social together. But whereas there's an aspect of this, this next has no place at all. The church is not a political movement. Uh, what candidates does the Church of Christ support? <laughs> well, imagine a question like that. We don't. Well, you have to support One side or the other, you have to support one man or the other, you have to support one candidate or the other. No, we don't. Why? Because we're not in the political business. That's not what Jesus, there was a political problem in Jesus' day, which he hardly addressed at all except in the principles of his gospel. Uh, There were political problems in Paul's day uh, which he had almost nothing to say about except uh, for the principles involved. Uh, Which of Paul's epistles did he write primarily about Caesar? Oh, his name comes up in scant fashion. Uh, But uh, he doesn't dwell there at any length because he realizes Paul does Just as Jesus has shown earlier that this church, this kingdom, this body, this family, which Jesus would build and die and give his life for, shed his blood for, this this church was never meant to be some kind of political mechanism or organization. Now, as good citizens and Christians having the stewardship of some control, and we're thankful we have it, over direction of our government. It behooves us as individuals to make wise and scriptural prudent choices about what candidates to back, what candidates perhaps to oppose, what propositions to be in favor of, of what to push back against. Those are individual decisions made by individual Christians. But as a collective assembly or church, We take no political stands. We never have. We never should have. We never are. We never hopefully will. Because the church is not political. That's one reason it withstands the test of time. Politics come and go. Candidates live and die. Entire movements, they are started and they implode. But the church... It, it remains. You might remember when the church is mentioned in prophecy in Daniel chapter 2. Daniel puts it in contrast to those kingdoms of this world beginning with Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel says, Nebuchadnezzar, you are the head of gold in this image he's seen in his dream. And he goes on listing the kingdoms that will come following Nebuchadnezzar. All the way down to the feet and toes of the iron mixed with miry clay which Seem to be the days of the Greco-Roman Empire, the days when Christ will come, the kingdom which will never be destroyed is established, and the difference is these kingdoms of men, they will fall. They'll be destroyed. The kingdom of Christ will never be destroyed because it's not about politics. It never has been about politics. Now, some of us in the room are more political than others. That's fine. You may have some folks that you support, I don't. That's fine. I may be weird in the way you see my political views. That's fine. But the church should never be dragged into it. The church is not a building, it's not primarily social. Is not in any way political, but this last, number three, and stay with me, the church is not denominational, and there's a big word that we stumble over, and it is also a word which many use meaning different things, it just means one thing, it means a named part of a larger whole. You in school studied math and a part of math was fractions and a part of fractions was the denominator. Or you go to the store and you give the cashier there a twenty dollar bill and uh, what denominations would you like back in change? Would you like a 10 and uh, some 1s, or would you like a 5 in there? What denomination would you like? And you know what is meant. If I give you a $1 bill, that does not mean that every bill, the whole currency, is all about that $1. It's about that's a denomination of a larger basket of currencies we have that we recognize as the United States. denominations, spiritually, in terms of churches, in terms of religions, are parts of a larger whole. And this is one aspect we used to be stronger on as a, a people, as the church, and we're kind of backing off from now, which is to our shame. But one difference in the church Jesus built and the churches men built is this, is this question you can ask this church of your choice you put your name there and ask your friend who's a member of church x would you like me to be a member of your church we'd love you to come be a member of this church well is there any downside to not being a member oh no there are good christians everywhere but we'd like you to be a member over here with us So you're saying you'd like me to be a member of the church where you are. Well, yes. Do I need to be a member of the church you associate with to to enjoy salvation? No, you don't. Not saying that. We're not so narrow as saying that. Well, regardless of what definitions anybody puts on anything, they're describing their group as a denomination, as a small part of the larger whole. Of saved people. Now, stay with me here. Whatever Jesus promised to build, whatever Jesus gave his blood to purchase, whatever Jesus gave himself in life and death for, is not a part of any larger whole. It is the whole itself. And because of that, whatever definition you want to put on church, You can't be right scripturally and say the church is a denomination because Jesus' church is not a part of anything. It is the thing. Upon this rock, I'll build my church. I know what some might be thinking. Uh, They're thinking, are you saying, are you... Are you blatant enough and arrogant enough to say that you believe that the church of Christ is the very church Christ promised to build? Well, you'd be surprised if I were standing here and didn't believe that. Of course I do. With all my heart, I believe that. And some say, well, what do you mean then? Because there are problems in all the churches of the New Testament, and there are problems in churches today, and there are always problems. Well, yes, there are always problems when people are involved, but I'm talking about the ideal that Jesus had in mind. I'm not a part of a problem-packed movement of people. I'm a part of the church Jesus promised to build. And whether it goes north or south, right or wrong, depends upon people like me and myself. But if we get it all wrong, the church still exists, with or without me. The kingdom goes on, with or without us, because it will stand forever. That's the church I want to be a member of. The same church Jesus promised to build. The same church which he did build. The same church which the New Testament writers spoke of and exemplified in their lives and teaching, that same church exists today. I believe it because the Bible promises that God's kingdom will never be destroyed. It hasn't been, it never will. Social clubs come and go, political parties, they are formed and they go away over time. Generations come, and generations go into the dustbin of history, but the church goes on and on and on. That's the church I want to be a part of. And so as we close, let me ask you, my friend, are you a member of the Lord's church? Can you find your church in the Bible, in the New Testament? If not, obey the gospel this morning, as the scriptures teach, in faith in Christ Christ. Turn away from sins and repentance. Confess your faith and just as Jesus taught, be baptized to be saved. To have your sins washed away. Perhaps you've done that, but you've walked away. What better time than this morning to come back and ask the Lord's forgiveness, the prayers of the brethren. But if you need to come, what better time than now to come as together we stand and sing.